4K, Hard Talk Radio, live 4K. You can look me up on Anchor, Spotify. Spotify, you know, Spotify. I say Anchor, Spotify because I go through Anchor. This was Spotify to push my audio podcast through. And you could see this on Rumble. I gave people the link in my group for um, to hear the audio podcast. All right, let's kick it off. All right. Czech president calls for Russian civilians to be rounded up and thrown into concentration camps. Ooh, he's going full Hitler. Czech president Petra Pavel has called for Russians living abroad in Western countries to be rounded up and closely monitored, closely monitored, excuse me, by security services in the manner the Japanese descendants were held in internment, excuse me, in internment camps in the United States Second World War, according to the former NATO general who has been president since March following his election wins two months earlier. That's simply the cost of war. When there's an ongoing war, security measures related to Russians' nationals should be stricter than normal times. He told the Prague-based U.S. finance radio, Free Europe Radio Liberty. All Russians living in the Western countries should be monitored, 
much more than in the past because they are citizens of a nation that leads an aggressive war. Now, we all know that's a lie. We know that uh, Ukraine is the one that wanted to side with NATO and Russia, Putin would have left Ukraine alone if they had stayed away from NATO. And NATO, along with other Western powers, wants the gold and the oil that Russia possesses. And they also want to poison Russia with the alphabet mafia and their perverted way of living. And Putin is, even though, you know, I don't agree with the things he has done in the past, he is fighting to preserve his culture's way of life. Okay, not to be bombarded with same-sex uh, relationships and uh, the nonsense that's going on, and you know, with the alphabet mafia trying to teach pedophilia through school books to children and drag queen story time, which is really consisting of drag queens who have a history of being convicted sex offenders. All right, now moving on with this tweet. Ordinary European Nazi Czech President Petro Pavel called for Russians in Europe to be put in concentration camps. And this is what he had to say on Twitter. I believe that uh, 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 as um, in the case of a number of uh, war conflicts in the past, uh, uh, when uh, there is an ongoing war, uh, the security measures related uh, to Russian uh, nationals uh, should be uh, stricter uh, than uh, in uh, normal times. So uh, uh, all um, Russians uh, living uh, in um, Western countries uh, should be uh, uh, monitored much more than, uh, than in, in the past because uh, they are citizens of a nation uh, that uh, leads an aggressive war. I, I think um, I, I can be sorry for uh, these people, but uh, at the same time, uh, when we look back, uh, uh, when uh, uh, the Second World War uh, started, all uh, uh, Japanese population living in the United States uh, were uh, under strict uh, monitoring regime as well. Uh, uh, that's uh, simply a cost of war. When you say monitoring, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I mean, uh, being uh, uh, under the uh, scrutiny of uh, security services. Yeah, right. Yeah. I believe that uh, 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 as um, in the case of a number of uh, war conflicts in the past, uh, uh, when uh, there is an ongoing war, uh, the security measures related uh, to Russian uh, nationals uh, should be uh, stricter uh, than uh, in uh, normal times. So, uh, uh, all uh, Russians uh, living uh, in um, Western countries uh, should be uh, uh, monitored much more uh, than uh, than in, in the past because uh, they are citizens of a nation uh, that uh, leads an aggressive war. I, I think um, I, I can be sorry for uh, these people, but uh, at the same time, uh, when we look back, uh, uh, when uh, the Second World War uh, started, all uh, uh, Japanese population living in the United States uh, were uh, under strict uh, monitoring regime as well. Uh, uh, that's uh, simply a cost of war. When you say monitoring, what exactly do you you mean by that? Well, I mean, uh, being uh, uh, under the uh, scrutiny of uh, security services. 
just because they did that doesn't make it right. The United States government had to pay back those descendants of the Japanese who went through that internment camp situation. And this is a man that's a Nazi and he's siding with Zelensky. Zelensky is a Nazi. The Ukrainian military is full of Nazis, okay? And the people of Ukraine, there's some of them that actually do support neo-Nazism, okay? You have those who don't, but you have a lot of them who do, okay? When Zelensky, there's even pictures on um, Telegram of when Zelensky was giving his New Year's address, you had a family, a Ukrainian family at the dinner table doing the Nazi salute, okay? That's what he's about. That is Zelensky, along with killing journalists who dare to speak the tr truth about what's going on. Okay. And here's some more information about what's going on in Ukraine. One second. They don't tell you. Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe revealed in a video interview that Ukrainian Nazi groups are harvesting the organs of children in basement labs that are being discovered after the buildings are being destroyed by Russian strikes. Vera Veyman, who is a member of the OSCE and worked in Ukraine as part of an international monitoring mission, made the horrifying revelations in In a video interview that corroborates earlier reports from the Russian military and even from the Ukrainian military themselves, who have openly bragged that they harvest organs of children and body parts for cash. Before we dive in, they receive commission from their deals. What they did was murdering children, placing organs in containers, and passing them. Those containers Containers and the containers were taken out of the country under grain export code. Whoa. We liquidated eight such labs. They look like some Something that would we would call basements. For the most part, we'd get there after they were cleared. In other words, lab would be, would be discovered after an explosion. We'd walk to a bunch of Nazi-driven, child-butchering monsters. Joe Biden, Republican and Democrats, 
are funding this, okay? I mean, the kids were cut up. Damning stuff, but it's even worse. After this quick break, we have information from a Russian news segment that Western mainstream media is the two and seven are being raised in factory farm elite pedophiles paying 150,000 for ukrainian children at sweet shop on border god this is disgusting conditions before the attractive ones are sold as sex slaves to elite pedophiles and those who don't find buyers are carved up like discarded wastes and their organs are harvested and sold for use at european and israeli transplant centers Wow, their group, as it turns out, Sagarala. was gathering kids around Aizium. That is, little ones from from two to six to seven years old, and bringing them to that particular place. What a point. There they got undressed on the first floor. And on the second floor. They got carved up. Like discarded waste, they were either kept in pits or taken out somewhere. And those guys, they, they, you know. Talking about them, kids, as if. As if they were slaughtering some livestock, like a piglet or a rabbit. Wow. Wow. They were like, yeah, we brought them as if it was some the farm, you understand. These implantations sick, they took organs. I heard about it, but I didn't seeing all this with one
deserve our support and taxpayer dollars. As Putin recently said about the US media, either they don't understand the damage they are doing to their own country, in which case they are simply stupid, or they understand everything, in which case they are dangerous and corrupt. If you're wondering what sort of human being could possibly engage in dismembering children for the international trade in adrenochrome, we have more video- Sorry about that. Um, using melanin, it just took away the audio for me. From me, let me just go back a bit. All right, right here. They got undressed on the first floor. And on the second floor. They got carved up. Like the started pits were either kept in pits or taken out somewhere. Говорили, как будто они как, как будто какую-то скотину звали, поросенка, да. ну они да привозили, как будто какая-то ферма, имплантация, забирали органы, слышал об этом, не верил, пока своими глазами не увидишь own eyes, one cannot comprehend it. Не поймешь. А когда увидишь, when you see it, you won't forgive. Не простишь. According to the Kremlin, the Kiev regime has been earning hundreds of millions of dollars per year by raising children in degrading factory farm conditions and selling them to the highest bidder on the international market. No questions asked. It's understood that most of the buyers are VIP pedophiles with elite connections. And as these children don't have identities, Ukraine is farming children in factories for elite pedophiles. Russia is saving the children. Or official papers, they are a pedophile's dream because, in a legal sense, they don't exist. Western mainstream media has been complicit in its silence about Ukraine's child factory farms, even attempting to dismiss the evidence as the latest Russian disinformation campaign. There is a whole elite-funded media industry, including fact-checkers, working hard to convince anyone who'll listen that any claims out of Russia are fake news, and that Ukrainian Nazis deserve our support and taxpayer dollars. As Putin recently said about the US media, either they don't understand the damage they are doing to their own country, in which case they are simply stupid, or they understand everything, in which case they are dangerous and corrupt. If you're wondering what sort of human being could possibly engage in dismembering children for the international trade in adrenochrome, we have more video evidence to share with you. Meet Vladimir Vasilovich, a Ukrainian field surgeon who boasted in an online video chat that he harvests organs and eyes of wounded Russian soldiers that he picks up on the battlefield for sale in the international market. I'm a chirurg, Mostly I cut off legs and arms of your pigs. Jesus. Russian soldiers he's talking about. You know how much in Germany grandmothers pay for eye sockets? Good God. I know you may be recording. He's, 
he calls you a racist blogger. I'm very glad that I came across you. You're you're calling him racist, but you're cutting up Russians and selling their parts on the black market. Okay. Что я на вас попал. У меня сейчас два дня отпуска, я у тебя дома. И я вашим 27-летним вырезаю глазки, вырезаю почки и печеночку. Я больше тебе скажу. I'll tell you more if he's coming to me. Если он ко мне пришел, привезли его ко мне, а у него ножички уже нету, для меня он уже труп. My bosses almost tell, almost always tell me. Вот вам не говорит практически всегда. Владимир Васильевич, а вы можете хотя бы, хотя бы, обезболивающего немножко, у кого, чтобы они так не мучились. А я говорю, естественно, я так и буду делать. Но я этого не делаю. Я им but all is not lost. Brave patriots are fighting back against the international trade in children. Mel Gibson has now declared that he has nothing left to lose and is determined to play his part in bringing awareness to child trafficking and eradicating the evil of elite paedophilia, regardless of the personal consequences. Sound of Freedom tells the story of Tim Ballard, a former CIA operative who quits his job as a special agent with Homeland Security Investigations. Early reports indicate that the film exposes VIP paedophilia and child trafficking. Tim Ballard recently told a crowd that the four-part docuseries, executive produced by Tony Robbins, was nearing completion. And he also revealed that Gibson has dedicated his life to saving children from elite paedophiles. Got a phone call from Mel Gibson. He actually did the final edit of The Sound of Freedom. That's how we know each other, but not well, not well enough that I'd be getting phone calls. And he told me that he was in Budapest at the time. This was right hours after the invasion. And he said he supports a bunch of orphans in Ukraine and he was worried about them. And he asked if I could help get them out. So now I've got 12 from my wife. I got 13 others from Mel Gibson. And I'm thinking, okay, I got this list of kids I got to get out. Um, I told Mel, I said, you got to help me. This is going to be expensive. I won't ask you for a direct donation, but can you help me film this? You know, let's film what's happening so we can get people to understand and they can support us. He said, no problem. He helped us get set up and started filming. Four months later, what I thought was going to be maybe a documentary about Ukraine ends up being a four-part docu-series that's almost done. It's being produced by DNA Films and executive produced by Tony Robbins. That's how crazy it got and how prophetic my wife was. When I showed up in Ukraine with a list of, I think, 20 names, the Ukrainians countered me and gave me over 10,000 names of orphans that they didn't know where they were because of the chaos caused by war. And more importantly and, and more frightening to me was the fact that I know that human trafficking is a $32 billion a year business. It's the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. And I also know how kids get forced into that market. And it's through vulnerable situations like in the aftermath of a hurricane, mostly in a developed country or an earthquake, or in this case, a war. And so the traffickers call it harvest time. And that was the intel we were getting. And so we weren't just there to extract those kids, but look for leads. And it really was a miracle what happened. You know, it's, it's one of these things that, you know, faith precedes the miracle. I take a lot of comfort in the fact that there's only one time in the scripture where Jesus gets mafioso. 
it's righteous because it's Jesus doing it. But if you listen to his words, it's mafioso. He says that it would be better for you to have a millstone cast about your neck and you thrown to the bottom of the sea than that you would hurt one of these little ones, my children. That's mafioso action, sinking someone to the bottom of the ocean. And Jesus said it. So I know where he stands on it. So I can expect and we can expect miracles when we're fighting to protect children. I said earlier that the mainstream media is complicit in its silence, more interested in promoting big pharma products and acting as the PR department of the Democratic Party. The media appears completely uninterested in the real world issues that have a direct influence on the lives of our children. All right, on to the next story right here. Okay. We're talking about... Okay. Seconds. Talking about these uh, Transformers <clears throat> attacking lesbians. There's a lot you don't know about these uh, Transformers. <clears throat> what they don't tell you about them. But I'll tell you more about them when we get into this story. Hey, right. and this is just incredible. Watch what happens in a pride parade. Now, pride, it's supposed to be LGBT, it's supposed to be inclusive. But look at how the trans activists attack a group of lesbians and look how the police react to the interaction. So at the moment, your march, this group of people, yep. is causing confrontation between different groups of We're people. Lesbians. Okay? We're lesbians. Whatever you are at the moment is causing confrontation. I'm not I'm not causing confrontation. So, Prue, the police remove the lesbians, not the trans activists, attacking them. And if you want to see why the lesbians were being targeted, it's because they were carrying signs like this, um, which I would have thought was fairly uh, self-evident. That... <laughs> lesbians don't like penises. Well, <clears throat> that's what happened, you know. First it was feminism, wanting everybody to be equal, and then the LGBT jumped on that. And now they want they want equality. And then they, some of them became transformers. And they want to be liked by women. The only thing is women, lesbians don't like penises. Exactly. And now they're being bullied by transformer women, being called TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. I remember uh, watching one, a lesbian, go on, being interviewed by Tucker Carlson. And she was saying that she had to leave the LGBT community because they didn't help her when she was being harassed by Transformers. And there's been a lot of incidents of this, you know, even Transformers assaulting um, lesbians. And when they try to go to the LGBT community about this, the LGBT community shuts them out. It is sad. 
but this is what goes on. That, that is how lesbians <laughs> feel. Um, surely they're entitled to determine who they're attracted to and surely they're entitled to march in a pride parade without being harassed. Well, this is the whole point of the parade, isn't it? That they can, you know, celebrate who they are and what their choices are. This is the problem with the police that seems to be around the world. You know, go for the victim and don't worry about, you know, the antagonists. So they're obviously so limp-wristed exactly. now. Unfortunately, that's how it is now. That is how it is. They're really protecting them heavily. Extremely heavily. All right? They're protecting the aggressor instead of the victim. But this is what's going down. All right. So let's talk about... Um, This other situation right here, okay? Even more, all right, about what's going on, okay? Because these Transformers have taken it to a whole new level, okay, in France. Let's talk about what's going on in France right now. The entitlement is insane. This is what's going on now. In France, vandalism death threats from trans activists foreclosure of lesbian bar. This is why I've always said, <laughs> you could go to the local chop shop and try to make yourself look like a woman, but your chromosomes will always tell the truth. A lesbian bar that has operated in Reims, France, for nearly a decade has been forced to close its doors following a disturbing swell of vandalism and death threats by trans activists. Aurene Guinou, the owner and manager of the lesbian bar La Parte d'Anglaise, was publicly denounced as transphobic and accused of misgendering by critics speaking with Quest, uh, was it Oist France? Guinou said she made the decision to shut down the venue to protect her employees in response to increased aggression both online and at her storefront. On April 14th, four unnamed trans activists spray-painted menacing messages like fuck turfs, accompanied by a trans symbol on the front door or the venue during activities that were aimed at opposing national pension reform. I have to close after the attack that we experienced, Gnu told Aus France, the window was tagged and pained was broken. It was hyper-violent for employees and customers and the bar was full. Few days after, few days before the acts of vandalism were committed, Gnu made a book criti critical of trans activism available to her patrons, titled "When Girls Become Boys," written by Marie Jo Bonnet. Her detractors considered the act to be representative of her coming out as transphobic and condemned her on social media. Basically, they didn't want nobody to know the activities of what these. How could I put this? Uh, chicks with. Uh, Chicks with bricks. Let's put it that way. Chicks with bricks. All right. Going around and trying to bully women into liking them. Bully lesbians. But the backlash was not limited to vandalism and social media condemnation. Ginu also started to receive threatening messages scrawled on paper, slipped under her door last month, which uh, some of which read, save a trans, commit suicide, one bullet, one turf. 
Junu faced further harassment throughout the month of May when a local chapter of the French feminist organization, Now Toads, published a statement calling for the supporters to boycott the bar. In Rene's or else or everywhere else, no feminism without trans people. Oh boy. Reads the call to action from Nose Toads 35. For several years, people from the queer community have been denouncing attacks against them in bars in Rennes. Let's part the English. <clears throat> These recurring assaults are all the more problematic since the bar claims an identity as lesbian and feminist bar. The statement continues. Therefore, it's important that this bar finally gets massively denounced. We would also like to call on various political activists or cultural organizations to stop organizing with this bar. Transphobes have no place in our struggles. In response to the statement from Nose Toast, 35 Genu announced that she had filed a complaint for defamations, harassment, and cyber harassment. Yet despite the claims of transforming, Genu has said that her venue has always been accepting of people who claim to be transgender. My bar was always been an inclusive bar. She said trans people should be respected and have rights and lesbians who are born female should also have the same spaces for themselves. However, tensions have escalated over the past five years as Janu defended lesbian patrons who were being harassed by men who self-identify as women and attended the venue seeking sex. Oh boy. They, you should remind them that they identified as a woman. So if that's the case, they shouldn't be coming around there trying to seek sex from lesbians who don't want them. Date a trans man. That's what they need to be doing. On multiple occasions, Gunu told Charlie Hedbo, trans-identified males came to the, the lesbian bar to flirt with the same sex-attracted women. If the young woman said, I prefer women, that then the trans woman was offended and cried transphobia. But this young woman is not transphobic. It's just a matter of consent. She doesn't like penises since she's a lesbian. Makes perfect sense. Women's rights campaigner and founder, Feministe Margit Stern, shared her support for Genu and questioned the accusations of misgendering leveled against her. Stern also placed blame on the, for some of the harassment Genu endured in part on Neo's toes for their public condemnation of the venue. Nose totes, the liberal feminist group spearheading the harassment of the lesbian bar have previously attacked causes they deemed to be transphobic in 2022 the group did not announce it would no longer provide data on domestic femicides due to concerns over the same sex the sex-based data being used by transphobes now stews had originally been founded to provide public insight into violence against women and girls in france but launched into social media war with another anti-femicide campaign groups over transgenderism. At the femicides, Par Capitan OX accurately reported that no trans-identified males have been murdered by domestic violence in France in six years. Nos Todes responded by suspending their release of any data related to the murder of women and girls in the nation, claiming that the information was oppressive and otherwise illegal. This is crazy. Nos Todes then convened to determine how to make their femicide data reporting more inclusive. Are you crazy? Floating strategies, which would include counting general transphobia as femicide. Violence against women critical of gender ideology is regular occurrence in France with multiple instances of women being physically attacked for not accepting the concept that trans-identified males were female being recorded over the past two years. Redux previously reported a violence breaking out 
at France pro women events deemed transphobic, including an International Women's Day in 2021 and 2022, when a number of women were left with injuries from rampaging trans activists. In April this year, a synopsis intended to raise awareness of the plight of Afghan and Iranian women, who was abruptly postponed after trans activists threatened to violently ambush the event because of the presence of gender critical speaker. Oh boy. This is what they wanted. This is what they wanted. Okay. They brought this, they, they uh, wanted this type of attention and look what happened. Look what happened. Okay. Women no longer have spaces. Okay. And it's crazy enough that you have women that are okay with this. They're okay with like saying, oh no, you know, trans women are women until they invade your spaces and they hurt and they try to assault you. Then you will change your mind. Okay. Only then will you change your mind. Unfortunately for some people who are stubborn and want to ignore the natural order of things when it comes to biology, they have to learn the hard way. All right. Let's talk about Julian Assange now. That he's getting some support now from Australian MP. Let's get into that. Org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez as we turn now to look at the case of Julian Assange as calls grow for him to be freed. The WikiLeaks founder has been locked up for four years in London's Belmarsh prison, where he awaits possible extradition to the U.S. to face espionage and hacking charges for publishing leaked documents about U.S. war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan. He faces up to 175 years in prison in the United States if convicted. This comes as a growing number of politicians in Australia are calling on the United States to drop its case against Julian Assange, who is an Australian citizen. In April, 48 Australian lawmakers signed a letter to the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland saying the U.S. prosecution of a journalist and publisher has, quote, set a dangerous precedent for press freedom. A group of Australian lawmakers also met recently with U.S. Ambassador to Australia, Carolyn Kennedy. Australia's Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has also spoken out. In May, he talked about Assange during an interview with the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, ABC. Enough is enough. This needs to be brought to a conclusion. Uh, it needs to be uh, worked through, including we're working through diplomatic channels, but we're making very clear uh, what our position is on, on Mr Assange's case. When Australians uh, look at uh, the circumstances, look at the fact that um, the, the person who released the information is uh, walking freely uh, now, having served some time uh, in, uh, in incarceration, uh, but is now released for a, a long period of time, then they'll see that there's a, a disconnect there. There is nothing to be served by his ongoing incarceration. That's the Australian Prime Minister. Last week, the Sydney Morning Herald made headlines when it reported the FBI has restarted its probe of Julian Assange, but representatives of WikiLeaks say the U.S. investigation was never closed. 
We're joined now in London by the Australian human rights attorney, Jen Robinson, who's been a legal advisor to Julian Assange since 2010. Jen, welcome back to Democracy Now! You're just back from Australia, where you live, um, where actually President Biden was expected to go for the Quad meeting um, uh, with the prime minister of Australia, but had to cancel that and return from Hiroshima to Washington to negotiate the debt ceiling uh, legislation. Can you talk about what Albanese now is calling for and what response do you have to this information from the Sydney Morning Herald that the U.S. has reopened a probe that no one knew had been closed? Well, first, great to speak to you again, Amy, um, and great to be back on Democracy Now. Uh, I've just returned from Australia, where I was in Australia for a visit with Stella Assange, Julian Assange's wife. It was her first trip to Australia, which we had planned to coincide with Biden's visit to Australia. Um, what Biden would have seen had he come to Australia was a huge amount of support, both from the Australian public. We saw a huge protest in Sydney against the extradition request and the United States prosecution of Assange. We saw a packed-out room of MPs in a cross-party brief. Now in Australia, we have bipartisan support. So it's not just our Prime Minister, Prime Minister Albanese, calling for this case to be brought to an end. It is also. I don't think Biden's going to help because Biden is pretty much crooked as they come. The leader of the opposition. And when Stella and I briefed MPs in Parliament, there was standing room only. There was that many MPs from across the political spectrum there wanting to hear from Stella and I about the latest in the case and who are pushing for this case to be brought to an end. So we've seen a sea change in the political response in Australia. We're seeing polling, unprecedented polling of an overwhelming majority of the Australian public who support our government in seeking to have this case closed. And the question now is what the United States will do with it. Uh, the, the story last week about the FBI supposedly reopening this investigation, this is an investigation that has been open for a number of years. Um, this is a Trump administration indictment. We know that the FBI had been conducting inquiries in the interim period, and it's important to, to recognise that the FBI reached out to uh, or allegedly reached out to a ghostwriter on Julian's book. This to us shows the desperation of the FBI and how um, how they are grasping at straws in terms of their investigations in this case. There are no new facts in this case. The US government has known the facts that form the basis of this indictment since Chelsea Manning went on trial back in 2012. And the fact that the FBI is now suddenly starting to make inquiries from bit part players is, I think, goes to show that the, the lack of well, the, well, the strength or lack thereof of the US case. And, Jen Robinson, I wanted to ask you about other developments in the case, especially concerning the surveillance conducted of Julian Assange while he was in the Ecuadorian embassy. Uh, the Spain's El Pais uh, had a story headlined, Police Omitted Folder Called CIA, from the computer of a Spaniard who allegedly spied on Julian Assange. Who was uh, this Spaniard, and what do you know about this? So, in addition to fighting the extradition case um, and fighting the prosecution of Assange, Julian and, and our legal team have been fighting back through various different legal actions. There's the um, the action that I took successfully against the British government for unlawful sharing of information with the United States government as Julian's lawyer. We have the, the action against the CIA in the United States um, taken by a group of lawyers on Julian's team who visited him in the embassy and the Spanish case, which you've just raised, where uh, Julian has taken a criminal complaint against David Morales, who was the head of UC Global, the security company that was providing um, quote-unquote security inside the Ecuadorian embassy. But it was revealed by El Pais 
case in recent years, thanks to whistleblowers, that, that he was providing information, allegedly providing information to the CIA. We've learnt just this week that in the disclosure in those proceedings, in which Mike Pompeo himself has been um, subpoenaed to give evidence uh, about the nature of the spy, unlawful spying on, on Julian and on us as his lawyers, which fundamentally flaws the US criminal investigation, uh, that the Spanish police failed to disclose uh, further evidence, including files marked CIA, that further indicate the involvement of the CIA in spying on us as lawyers inside the embassy. Um, this is really important revelations. As, as Daniel Ellsberg, the Pentagon Papers uh, leaker, said in, in our extradition case, his case, his espionage case, was thrown out under the Nixon administration for unlawful spying on his, his doctors. Uh, in this case, you've seen so much more abuse. So a Trump-era indictment are now under a Biden administration. This prosecution is still being pursued, despite widespread and uh, huge amounts of evidence of unlawful spying on lawyers, on the seizure of legally privileged information, and indeed plots to kidnap and kill Julian Assange by the CIA in London. Um, at this point, you need to ask, even leaving aside the free speech implications of this case, the First Amendment concerns that are now increasingly being raised by Democrat lawmakers in the US calling on the US to drop this case. There has been so much abuse in this case, and it begs the question, if abuse of this nature was enough to throw out a case under the Nixon administration, why is this still being pursued under the Biden administration? That's easy, because Biden is doing dirt, has a lot of connections with Ukraine, and he's done a lot of dirt. He got his son off, who was under, um, who was in trouble with the Ukrainian government, and he bribed the Ukrainian government to fire the prosecutor, and his son got away scot-free. And there's that situation with the Barisma accountant, account manager, who had dirt on Biden. All of a sudden, that person's dead. Okay, the CIA have done a lot of dirt. Okay, they have done a lot of dirt. They have destabilized countries. Anybody tries to speak the truth about them, they end up disappearing. That's why. I mean, I don't know why people ask these questions. It's kind of like, you know the answer. Why are you asking? Why are you asking? Let me get into this article about Julian Assange because it's, it's not looking good for him. It really isn't. And I understand the what he did. I understand what he did. But at the same time, did you count the cost? Did you count the cost? Because... People will probably get mad at me, but let me ask you a question. Are you willing to spend time in prison for doing the things that he did? Are you willing to go to prison? A lot of you will say no, so don't come for me. How about that? Let's get into this article right here. All right. Julian Saz dangerously close to U.S. extradition after losing latest legal battle. Legal appeal, sorry. Assange's father, John Shipton, says his son's grounds for a further UK hearing are clear and firm and just. Julian Assange is dangerously close to being extradited to the US after losing his latest legal appeal, his family and observers of his long-running ch legal challenge say. His lawyers say they will appeal again to the same court amid growing fears he could spend the rest of his life in prison for publishing thousands of classified military and diplomatic documents in a three-page judgment handed down on Tuesday, UK High Court Judge 
Justice Jonathan Swift rejected all eight counts of Assange's appeal against the U.S. extradition order signed by then U.K. Home Secretary Priti Patel in June last year. But Assange's wife, Stella Assange, said her husband would make a renewed application for appeal to the high court next week. The matter would then be heard before two new judges in a public hearing, Stella Assange said. And we remain optimistic that we will prevail and that Julian will not be extradited to the United States where he faces charges that could result in him spending the rest of his life in a maximum security prison for publishing true information that revealed the war crimes committed by the United States government. The United States government, like I said before, has a real, accurate, professional, consistent track record of making sure dead men and dead women tell no tales. Hassan's father, John Shipton, said his son's grounds for further hearing were clear, firm, and just. Julian's family watched John horrified and all fair-minded people the world over watched with profound disquiet, disquiet and alarm, he said. Hassan's appeal argued that a Patel, as Home Secretary, erred in her decision to approve the extradition order because the request violated the U.S.-U.K. extradition treaty, which states extradition shall not be granted if the offense for which the extradition is requested is a political offense. His legal team has consistently maintained that the United States desired to try Assange is politically motivated. The appeal also argued Assange was being prosecuted for protecting for protected speech and that the extradition request itself was an abuse of the process. Assange's legal team has also said the United States government has consistently misrepresented the core facts of the case to the British courts. Swift's rejection of the appeal grounds leaves only one final step in the UK courts. The defense has five working days to submit an appeal of 20 pages to a panel of two judges who will convene a public hearing. There are no further appeal avenues at the domestic level. Assange could still fight the extradition at the European Court of Human Rights, which last December confirmed that an application from Assange had been received. Assange's brother, Gabriel Shifton, told The Guardian the high court rejection of the appeal was a serious development that leaves him dangerously close now to extradition. Shifton said the moments of setback were the toughest for his brother. These times are always very hard for Julian in prison. He obviously focused on this, this next appeal, but he's not doing well. This saga has been ongoing for 13 years and it's taken a toll on his body and on his mind, but he still has a fighting spirit. We're just hoping that he makes it through this, Shipton said. Australian government's public statements, it was advocating for Assad's release were sufficient. We've been hearing this is enough, enough for over a year. It rings hollow now. These strange aptitude, platitudes from the government about making representations. What has that achieved? Nothing has changed, and the Australian government can certainly be doing more. Rebecca Vincent, director of campaigns with reporters San Frontitis, said RSF was deeply concerned by the high court judgment. It is absurd that the single judge can see, can issue a three-page decision that could land Julian Assange in prison for the rest of his life and permanently impact the climate of journalism around the world. I thought journalism was already dead. The historical weight of what happens next cannot be overstated. It is time to put a stop to the relentless targeting of Assange and act, and act instead to protect journalism and press freedom. Our call on President Biden is now more urgent than ever. Drop these charges, close the case against Assange, 
and allow for his release without further delay. I don't get what these people don't understand about Biden. You're asking Biden to let somebody out that could possibly turn on him one day. I, I, I don't get it, man. I, I, I don't get it. Assange faces 18 charges of WikiLeaks publication of classified documents, largely the result of a leak by the former U.S. Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning. Manning was sentenced to 35 years in prison, but released after President Barack Obama commuted her sentence in 2017. Convicted Assange faces a combined total sentence of up to 175 years in prison. He has been he has been held in deteriorating health in Belmarsh Prison for more than four years, as he has contested the extradition order. The high price you pay for stepping out of the matrix. The high price you pay to actually do your job, to actually call out injustice, corruption. It's tough, man. It, it, it is it's extremely tough. How many of you heard about that uh, that incident with aliens in a person's backyard in uh, Los Angeles? Well, I have gotten some footage. Let's take a look. This is wild. This is insane. For those of you who are listening, check out my Rumble. Radical Thoughts 791, and you will see this recording there soon. All right, let's check this out. Also, um, you can, if you have a device that can show video, um, whether it's an Xbox or, you know, if you got Spotify app, you could look you could look me up um hot talk radio live in 4k and you could see this episode as well and you will see what i'm about to show right now backyard cameras catch alleged las vegas aliens roaming around okay what's going on over there okay lady me my dad and my brother we're working in a truck in our backyard and we have a big lot outside right correct okay we were working, and we just see in a corner of our eye something fall down from the sky, and it was with light. And when it hit down, it was like a big impact, and we felt it. We felt like an energy, and then and then and then we hear like a lot of footsteps near us, and then we have a big a big uh, equipment, and and we see, and there's a there's like an eight foot person beside it, and another one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us, and it's still there. Okay, where is this on your property? Uh, in in, in my backyard. I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually we so terrified of it. So there's two people or two subjects that are in your backyard? Correct, and they're very large. They're okay. like 8 foot, 9 feet, 10 foot, I don't know. They're, they, look like, they look like aliens to us. Big eyes, they have big eyes, okay. like like I can't explain it. And big mouth. They're shiny eyes, and, and they're not human. They're 100% they're not human. Okay, what's going on over there? Okay, lady. Me, my dad... And my brother, we're working in a truck in our backyard, and we have a big lot outside, right? Correct? Okay. 
we were working, and we just see in a corner of our eye something fall down from the sky, and it was with light. And when it hit down, it was like a big impact, and we felt it. We felt like an energy, and then and then and then we hear like a lot of footsteps n- near us, and then we have a big a big uh, equipment, and and we see, and there's a there's like an eight foot person beside it, and another one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us, and it's still there. Okay, where is this on your property? Uh, uh in, in, in my backyard. I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually we so we terrified of it. So there's two people or two subjects that are in your backyard. Correct, and they're very large. They're okay. like eight foot, nine feet, ten foot. I don't know. They're they look like they look like aliens to us. Big eyes. They have big eyes. Okay. Like like I can't explain it. And big mouth. They're shiny eyes, and and they're not human. They're 100 percent they're not human. So what are your thoughts about aliens? What are your thoughts? What do you think about them? All right. Let me know what you think in the uh, Podbean chat. What do you think? What What are your thoughts on aliens? What are your thoughts about aliens? What you just heard. All right, so we're going to look at this other story right now that talks about some cover-ups that the government is doing and death threats. Wow. Let's get into that. They were told they would be killed if they came forward on the stuff that they saw. They're worried about their family's protection. Uh, They're worried about losing their pensions. Uh, Many of them signed 80-year non-disclosure agreements, 80-year non-disclosure agreements to keep quiet about it. Um, Greer makes the point that the alien craft we have are not the issue. It's the deep state, uh, the -the off-the-books operations that, that that is running all of this. They've been, uh, they, they have their own versions of these craft. They're carrying out, um, they're carrying this out. Um, and the White House is kept out of it. Congress is, has been kept out of it and in the dark about it. And you're starting to hear more of this because now Congress is demanding answers because they're noticing and found out that a lot of these projects are black, black book. They're not on the, on, on the money that they approved and they're demanding answers about it. Good for them. Here's what Stephen Greer says about that. Uh, but this object was retrieved because it became disabled. Some of these retrieval operations are not extraterrestrial, but they would like sometimes the public to think maybe it was because the bigger secret, I'll tell you right now, is not the extraterrestrial issue. It's these technologies, which an unsupervised and frankly illegal operation have, which is a threat to the national security, period. This we will prove. And this is a bigger threat, the existence of these in the hands of unsupervised operations that have escaped the oversight of the president of the office of the president and the Congress for since 1956 to 1960. 
And so he then explains the difference between the man-made craft and the ones of extraterrestrial origin, which we've been reverse engineering for years um, since the 1940s. And he shows the man-made side by side. So it's important to understand, yes, there are the alien craft that we have. We know that. That's without a doubt. But then we're also been reverse engineering them and they look close, but not totally like them. So here he gives an example of the differences here. If I had time, I would run through. We can go through very quickly. I think people in the military and in Congress uh, and the American people know that, need to know the difference between the man-made uh, advanced technologies and how they look and the extraterrestrial vehicles. We're gonna run through a side-by-side. -side. You can look and see ET, one on the left, seamless. It is actually uh, created uh, in a material science and technology we don't have time to go into, but we understand that, versus the man-made ones that have components, parts, wires, and what have you. Next. And again. Next. And again. And then you hear on the right, that is the Norton Air Force Base 1988 air show classified. Uh, we have a, a witness who was in there and these on the right are man-made. They were late Mercury era, out of 59 through early 60s in their construction because we had mastered gravity control in October 1954. So he goes on from there. Now, one of the most explosive whistleblowers is a member of the military, United States Marine. They're decorated United States Marine. U.S. Marine assigned to the Philippines. A platoon of six men discovered a UFO. This is insane, man. This is just corruption on a whole new level. Whole new. And they're willing to harm people for this. Let's get into that article right here. All right. Second. Okay, so I'll just read it off. Ex-Marine, ex-U.S. Marine tells of Special Forces soldiers loading guns and ammo into a UFO. Former U.S. Marine Michael Herrera has a sensational claim that he saw a secret UFO-type craft being operated by American Social Forces in the Indonesian jungle. Okay. This is wild as hell, man. Wild. A new video has emerged showing the testimony of a former U.S. Marine who claimed to have witnessed a meeting with between American Special Forces soldiers and UFO. Speaking at a briefing by Dr. Stephen Greer's Disclosure Project on June 12th, Michael Herrera recounted the story of a humanitarian mission his unit sent on to Sumatra in late September of 2009. Okay, I'll let you guys listen to this.
okay, since we have a problem here. Okay, so I'm just going to go back to just reading the article. We have a problem here with the internet. Okay. At the time, he says he was comparatively new member of the 31st Marine Expeditionary Unit, and he and his comrades had been sent to help this help distribute aid in the wake of a devastating typhoon and earthquake. Around a week after his unit arrived on the Pacific Island, Michael says he and five other Marines were dropped off in a dense part of the jungle by helicopter. Okay. Let's keep going. He saw something you couldn't understand. I could see something moving and rotating. It was changing colors between a very light matte gray to a very dark matte black, he said. It stuck out like a sore thumb. The huge object, like an octagonal pyramid, was emitting a low hum. Michael describes a scaly exterior, which looked man-made, but like no known type of aircraft. He describes he was warned off by US military personnel who wore black uniforms with no unit or rank insignia. The men were, he said, loading weapons and ammunition crates onto the bizarre aircraft. He describes how he was searched and had his camera confiscated by the mysterious soldiers in black. Michael is one of the number of US military whistleblowers that have made claims about crashed alien, crashed alien craft being cannibalized by American weapons designers and a bid to create advanced combat aircraft. Dr. Greer told the audience that the that a large number of the UFOs cited today are in fact deep black budget electrogravitic electromagnetic field propulsion devices based on the study of extraterrestrial vehicles that began in the 1940s. That is a fact, Dr. Greer says. We can prove it. He says that there are a dozen more military personnel, some of them very highly placed. They are preparing to come forward with more information and about advanced aircraft based on reverse engineering non-human technology. All right. They're loading weapons onto alien craft. If aliens are so advanced, why would they need those weapons? Sorry, I don't... <laughs> I don't think these are aliens. People look at me funny. I think they're demons. Sorry. It's what I think. I don't care what you feel to say about me. It's what I think about it. All right. That's what I think about it. Truly extraterrestrials, they got their own weapons. They don't need human weapons. They got their own weapons. I mean, that's the whole thing about being advanced and everything. You don't need human weapons. At all. All right. At least that's how I see it. I mean, makes sense how I see it. Okay, so let's talk about these 15-minute cities now. 
All right. Let's talk about that. Very interesting. You know what? I'll talk about that on the next one. For right now, I am done. And uh, that's about it. Hope you guys enjoyed the stream. I will be uploading this on Rumble ASAP. And you can check me out on Spotify, Hard Talk Radio Live in 4K. Okay? You can check me out on Rumble, Radical Thoughts 791. And I'm on Twitter. Okay? Hard Talk Radio Live in 4K. All right? I'm also on TikTok. Hard Talk Radio Live in 4K. I'm done.